This is the Old Premeds Podcast, session number 77. You're a non-traditional student entering the medical field on your terms. You may have had some hiccups along the way, but now you're ready to change course and go back and serve others as a physician. This podcast is here to help answer your questions and help educate you on your non-traditional journey to becoming a physician. Now, welcome to the Old Premeds Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, host here for the Old Premeds Podcast, as well as the Premed Years Podcast, the MCAT Podcast, and Specialty Stories. You can find all of our shows over at mededmedia.com. That's M-E-D-E-D media.com. So today's question, taken directly from the oldpremeds.org forums, is from a female non-trad student who's had an interesting journey and whose current life situation is kind of putting her in a bind. And so I think this is an interesting one. It's kind of a unique story, but not unique in the fact that a lot of you out there, a lot of non-traditional students, are going to have spouses, significant others, family members, sons, daughters, whatever it is, that are going to restrict you geographically or that you think are going to restrict you, restrict you geographically. So that's kind of where we're going to go. Let's get go ahead and get into it. Now, she says, I'll try to make this short-ish and sweet-ish. Uh, obtained my BA in anthropology in the Midwest many moons ago, worked as an on-camera model slash actress to pay rent in my undergrad. Upon graduating, my agents sent me to LA where I worked for three years as a model and actress. Moved back to the Midwest to begin my non-trad pre-med journey as a single gal when I was about 28 years old at the same school from where I obtained my BA. So I'll stop there. This sounds very familiar to Jessica, who was on the pre-med years podcast. I don't have the number specifically off my head, but she was a former actress, did her bachelor's of uh, arts at Columbia, I believe, lived in LA as an actress, and then decided she wanted to be a doctor and then got 10 acceptances to medical school. So hopefully this student follows the same path. So let me pick up here again. It is a large university with a medical campus, undergraduate campus, and teaching and research hospital. I was so eager and motivated to be involved in all things medicine that I began working, or shall I say living, in a laboratory for a cardiologist. I literally craved to be there. I would beg my mentor to let me hop on rounds with him. I was eager to be in the lab, to perform science, to think, to shadow, and was ferociously stubborn about my goals. However, my tenacity for the hands-on work at the lab slash hospital caused my post grades to suffer. Nothing too horrible, but a few C's and mostly B's. So I paused. So post back and C's and B's, that is kind of horrible. Uh, it's not very good for a post back. For a post back, when you're doing a post back, the assumption is 4.0. Like shoot for a 4.0. Obviously, you don't have to be perfect, but your goal is a 4.0, especially for non trads who are trying to fix early grades. If you're doing a post back, shoot for a 4.0. For this student, I don't know what her undergrad grade was, uh, but obviously doing a BA, probably not a lot of science. So her science GPA is going to be the C's and mostly B's. So not great. We've talked about this before. One of the biggest mistakes that pre-meds can make, and even though she's a non-tread pre-med, she still started the pre-med path, like a lot of pre-meds do, with too much on her plate. And grades suffer. Remember, grades you cannot fix. 
you can always add, cannot fix is, is a little harsh, but you can fix with more classes, but it's always, it's always averaged, right? You can't just replace anymore the A's or the C's with A's or D's with A's. You can always add research in later. You can always add that clinical experience in later. So I'll continue here. Fast forward a few years at 30 years old. After publishing much of my research, I met my husband. He plays in the NFL in our home city and has been for nine years now. His job is anything but traditional and the schedule and life is nothing short of hectic. These past few years, we have gotten married, traveled, settled into a home and are thinking about a family soon. Even with all of this, I still have the itch. Awesome. I am now 33 and wish to continue my journey. I am so thankful for this website. Um, he goes on to thank the old pre-meds website. All right, so questions. First, should I do a postback for my postback? My grades were average at best, relatively speaking, but since so much time has pa uh, passed and I wish to perform well in the MCAT, should I simply start over? My MCAT GPA isn't the greatest, teetering around 3.3 cumulative, 3.2 BCPM. I've not taken orgo or biochem. The classes were upwards of five years ago. And so part of my part of me wishes to start fresh, fresh for the MCAT. And so adcoms can see me ace these classes now. Or should I redo only the classes in which I didn't do well, continue to take OCHEM and Biochem and track on attack on some more upper levels? So a couple options. She kind of laid them out. Start over, start fresh, right? You, you can't really start fresh because those grades are going to be there. You're going to have to report those. And so any classes that you're going to retake, they're going to be averaged in. But that's kind of the same as she mentioned, redoing some of the classes that she didn't do well in. And hopefully getting better grades in those. And it's still going to end up being the same, right? It's still going to be average. The only difference is she's not repeating all of the courses. Do you need to repeat all of them? So the question is, when you say do a postback for the postback, are you talking about a formal postback? Are you talking about do it yourself? If you're doing a do it yourself, I wouldn't go, I probably wouldn't go back and repeat everything. I'd go and repeat those C's definitely, try to get those up. Could you repeat everything? And, and start fresh and hope for a 4.0. Sure, it's going to take a little bit longer. It's going to be a little bit more expensive. Obviously, financially, probably not a problem having a husband play in the NFL. I think the, the minimum salary these days is, is upwards of $400,000. That's public knowledge. Um, so that's, that's pretty awesome to have that sort of financial stability. So should you retake classes or not? So a couple things here. And she gets into it in the next question, but I'll mention it here because it's important. Contact the school that you're applying to or want to apply to. And she, she mentions only wanting to apply to one medical school. So for you, if you're listening to this and, and you're not this specific student who posted this, if you're planning on applying to several medical schools, you have old grades, you're thinking about retaking, not retaking, call the schools, figure out if they are okay with older grades. I've talked to a lot of non-trads, have 10-year-old grades, 20-year-old grades. Some say, not a problem, don't worry about it. Some say, no, we want something within five years. So contact the school, talk to them. That's, that's number one. Number two, definitely it would help with the MCAT. Obviously, preparing the, the best way to prepare, start preparing for the MCAT is to do well in your undergrad your, your core science courses. So if you retake those with a better foundation, better study habits, less commitment, uh, time commitment that you have to handle, obviously you'll do better. So 
those are things to think about with that. I don't know if I'd repeat them all. I would look, obviously repeat those C's and figure everything else out. Keep, keep that uh, MCAS calculator open and see how it's affecting your GPA. The biggest thing for this student is the second question, and it does tie in with the first question. The second question, I'm terrified my husband's career could be seen as a silent blessing for my journey as we have the financial security to support a family and allow me time for my studies without worry. However, there is one medical school in our city and my first and foremost choice, uh, and it's my first and foremost choice to attend because our families are here and we wish to continue to settle here. The risk is great for limiting myself to one school um, is great. So she's limiting herself to one school, basically. That, that, that risk is there. And to be clear, it isn't just the geographical location of the school that makes it number one on my list. It is my top choice for many reasons. I'll save those for another post. I'm not opposed to reapplying year after year, however. So if there is anyone out there who has advice on a perplexing situation such as mine, it would be helpful. All right, so a couple things. Again, a very unique situation here with her husband being in the NFL, being in the city that he's in now. So some of you may have that same situation. I know I've talked to uh, spouses whose husbands or wives are in the military. Very similar situation. You're in one city. But in two years, are you going to still be in that same city? So for this student, pre-med, non-trad, or soon to be again, non-trad, pre-med, her husband is in the NFL. They have trades in the NFL. They have cuts and everything else. So uh, I'm not wishing any bad juju on your husband, but keep that in mind. So the the limitation to one school, I, I, I understand it to some extent, but you're putting all your eggs in one basket, literally, with the off chance that the hus- your husband gets traded or let go, cut, whatever, immediately after you apply to that one school. And then what? He moves to another city, you maintain your residence in the, your current city. How does that work? So think about that as well. I'm sure you have. Uh, obviously, it's, it's something that is on the minds of every professional athlete, always the risk of being traded. So Applying to one school is very, very risky. I helped a student this year. She applied to two schools. Last year, she applied to one. This year, she didn't get into that one. This year, she applied to two. She got into the original one that she wanted to go to after, after working with me. Not bragging about that, but she was working with me, and, and uh, we, we made it work. And so here's what I had her do. It's no secrets here. I had her go and talk to people, right? Go. So, so this student in the old pre-meds form Talked about doing research with a cardiologist and doing tons of stuff. Go and talk to those people. Let them know, hey, I'm applying. Who do you know? Who can I talk to? Go to the admissions committee. Go and and talk to them. Say, here's who I am. Here's who my husband is. Here's who my husband is. Think of the large endowment. No, just kidding. (laughs) Um, so, So go talk to them and say, here's why I want to come to this school. And tell me what I need to do. Obviously, they're going to be somewhat restrictive in what they can tell you. They can never guarantee you an acceptance, obviously, but they can help guide you. They are there to help you. They want the best students to apply to their schools, and if they can help form that best student in you, why not go? There are some limitations once you apply the the type of help that they can give you, but before that, 
go get as much help as possible. So when you are planning on applying to a limited number of schools for whatever reasons, go and get to know the schools as much, as much, as much as possible. There was an episode here. I'm going to see if I can bring it up. I think it was episode 74, uh, yeah, of the Prima Deer. So medicalschoolhq.net slash 74 was an interview with Carrie. She was a non-trad pre-med, and she, her husband was a helicopter pilot for the Army and a contractor, and so he was always being deployed, and she was very limited taking care of family and working, very limited what she could do. She had some geographic restrictions, and she also had issues with taking classes only at a community college. And so what she did was she went and formed great relationships with the admissions committees at the few schools where she was willing to apply to. And she said, hey, here's who I am. Here's what I'm doing. Let me know if it's okay. And if it's okay, I'm going to check in with you after the semester. And she kept doing that semester after semester after semester, eventually gaining her acceptance into medical school. Go and form those connections. They're so, so important. All right, I think those were the answers for this student. So geographic restrictions because of the spouse uh, playing a professional sport, and then questions about the post-bac and whether or not to do more post-bac classes or redo all of the other post-bac classes. That's what we answered today here on the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast player of choice, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Google Play Music, whatever it is. I hope you subscribe so that you get this podcast every week right to your device for free. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here at the Old Pre-Meds Podcast. 